Hello, and welcome to episode nine of the Lorefield Podcast, a Starfield news and lore podcast featuring myself, Mitch, and my good friend and co-host, Isra. Hello. It's been a busy month. How was yours, Isra? Mine was pretty good. It got a lot better at a certain point. It's been pretty good. The drought's over. <laughs> the drought is over. I was thinking, like, rain drought. Was there something in the UK I didn't hear about? But I got you now. Yes. The drought is over. On March 16th, Into the Starfield Episode 2, Made for Wanderers, dropped, delivered a ton of notable quotes about the game, a dozen new concept arts, and a brief little snippet of in-game footage. And we will be breaking down all of it today. Lots of exciting details and finds. So much to talk about. But first, um, in Episode 8, we had some really great YouTube comments from you, the listeners. And uh, we wanted to acknowledge and respond to some of those. Um, so, Israel, why don't you take away some of our YouTube comments? All right. So, first comment is from Ravid, and they say first, congratulations. Absolutely. Congratulations, Ravid. We applaud you. And then from Gaming Boy, we have a comment saying, love the recap. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that's really nice. Thank you. Uh, and they also commented, Honestly, I think that we will have multiple different ships to buy because we have seen three different spaceships. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely falling into my hangar theory. It's like all modular. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the hope. Yeah, the modular stuff really came to light this month. We'll be talking about that later, but definitely agree. And they also commented, the reason I think we'll be able to join a pirate group is because of is because of the Dark Brotherhood and vampires in Skyrim and Oblivion. They are two bad factions, as people call them, and yet you can join them. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, a little bit of clairvoyance here from Gaming Boy. Last month we were talking about how we don't think we'll be able to join some of these evil factions like the Crimson Fleet. And um, another thing we'll be talking about later, but we were proven miraculously wrong. And um, Gaming Boy brought up a good point. Like, you can play as a Dark Brotherhood. They're extremely evil. What's more evil than a, a band of serial killers? So, good point, Gaming Boy. Vampires too. I wouldn't. I would probably consider vampires evil most of the time. Um, but perfectly good reason to think we'd be able to join the Crimson Fleet. And Gaming Boy was absolutely right. Uh, do you want to read the next ones? Sure. Uh, we got a good comment from Zachary Murdoch. I think the point of divergence is around 2005 when NASA began the Constellation program, one of its attempts to replace the space shuttle with the Ares 1 and 5 rockets, which was canceled in 2009. The main culprit was lack of funding by the U.S. Congress, but what if Constellation was adequately funding funded and its technical hurdles were compensated for? We would certainly be back to the moon by now. This would not have affected SpaceX, as the Airs 1 and 5 would still be very expensive to build and launch, so a commercial crew program would likely still have occurred. There remains a question, though. If this scenario is correct, what would motivate Congress to double NASA's budget? Perhaps finding something interesting, like an alien relic on the moon. The moon does show up in the first dev trailer, so that might be a reason. Yeah, we had a good conversation last month about when the timeline will diverge from our world to to starfields and that could be in the future uh but zachary murdoch's theory is that 
It was in the mid 2000s, which is exactly in line with what you said, Israel. And that was an interesting theory. It would be very conven convenient for um, the switch to occur around the time the space shuttle ends because that's such an important time in space history. It was recent enough that the roots and foundations of space exploration stay the same. But now you have a decade or so that you can play with if you're Bethesda to kind of shape the timeline how you want it to make Starfield look the way you want it to look. Um, so I like that theory, Zachary. Cartsy commented on the same topic, saying, Personally, I don't think the timeline divergence has happened yet. The point of divergence will happen organically if slash when our present and history in Starfield start to conflict with each other. Also, in the teaser trailer at a minute and 18 seconds, the gravity, power, and life support systems have manufacturers and names in the bottom left of their displays, so it's likely we'll be able to swap them out. Really good catch there. And... Um, that's another interesting theory, that um, it could be in the future. When they say it takes place in our universe, I think that makes that scenario pretty likely, that it's it's in our future and the divergence will happen, like, as you say, organically. Um, how far into the future, we don't know, because we don't know what our future looks like. Ron Snow also commented on the same topic, saying Starfield is about our future, not about some parallel past. And that's true. I just wonder, so if we know Constellation was founded in 2188, we've heard that Constellation is the last group of space explorers. So wouldn't that mean that by 2188, we've already been exploring space for a while in order to have the last group of space explorers? So... My thinking is that 150 years, when you're doing something as big as exploring space, it's not a very long time. Like, we got to start getting on this stuff, you know, if we're supposed to be exploring space in 150 years. So um, I just wonder if Bethesda has make, maybe taken some liberties and I guess amended would be the word, subtly changed some elements of our past so that they can shape our future into the direction they want it to go if that makes sense. Absolutely. You're going to take Gob's comment here? Uh, yep. So, uh, Gob commented, what if the drug is an Aurora carrier, which is eggs? That'd be a fancy way to get absolutely zoinked. You're putting that image in my head. <laughs> That would be hilarious, and I kind of want to see what we can do with Aurora in-game now. See what we can mix it with. Make an Aurora cocktail. I think the um, the fish eggs, maybe they're like an uh, alchemy ingredient. So they're one of the little things that you can pick up in your inventory and rotate them around and look at them. Make a potion of regeneration. Yeah. You taste them, and then your character goes, oh, and you get an effect. <laughs> that sound effect, you reminded me of uh, the Oblivion Guards. <laughs> Good point, though, Gob. We did see the Aurora fish again with this later video. That didn't really answer the question of how, where the, the Aurora comes from, but we saw the fish and a squid. There's a squid, too. 
More about the squid in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next we have David Sabalon. And they said, like, commented, and subscribed. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. I hope you will cover the news that the persuasion system in Oblivion will be in Starfield. We will get to that very soon, actually. But I just want to state now, they were inspired by the uh, Oblivion system. Isn't it? It's not the exact same system, I don't think. It's not going to be that horrible wheel, the pizza wheel, that I've never been able to figure out. But we'll get to that later. And then finally we have Slynel1. And they said good stuff. Again, thank you very much. I keep saying this, but we we really do appreciate it. Helps us grow in our anticipation for Starfield that we all share. Yeah, thank you. I, I echo Israel's sentiments. Thank you very much for the, the kind and supportive comments. And also thank you for the ones that um, like correct us or, or dissent from us. Um, that's fun. That's that's what we're here for. We're a lore discussion podcast, so you know we can. We're mature enough. If if you think we're saying something stupid, call us out. We love it. We'll talk about it. So um, thank you for every single comment. We really do appreciate it. And uh, by the way, don't forget if you're watching the YouTube version, we have visuals, and uh, that's where our comments come from. So if you want to, if you want your comment read. Uh, on the next episode, just comment on the YouTube version uh, with your question or your point of view, opinion on what we talk about. We'd love, we'd love that. So, don't forget to do that if you want to. With that, then, should we get into episode two of Into the Starfield, made for wanderers? Let's do it. So uh, I thought we, we could tackle this by first talking about um, the notable quotes that the four people in the video, Todd Howard, Emil Pagli, Rulo, uh, Isfan Paley, and Will Shen said, and then after that we'll get to the dozen concept arts and break those down. So how does that sound? Sounds good. Alrighty, awesome. So uh, the first quote came 10 seconds in, really came out punching. Emil Pagliarulo said, it's a giant open world for the player to do what they want. And this seems kind of obvious on the surface, but I thought it was important because there's been debate over whether there's each world is going to be instanced, like uh, Outer Worlds, kind of sequestered from the other, or if we'll be able to have seamless space travel. And if Emil Pagliarulo is saying, it's a giant open world in the singular for the player to do what they want, I'm inclined to believe that everything is going to be it's at least going to have the illusion of being seamlessly tied together. I think Bethesda Game Studios have nailed the open world already. So, a giant open world. That's that's interesting, because he didn't say worlds. He said world, as in one. Maybe they consider the whole game world a map. I don't know, that's, that's an interesting wording. Because we know it can't be just one world. Yeah, there's been way too much diversity we've seen. 
And we know uh, Neon is on a nondescript water planet. Yeah, it's like... Um... Well, he did make a mistake before. If you remember, he called... I think he called our solar system the galaxy or something. What did he say again? I think it was vice versa. He was talking about our galaxy, but he said solar system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, it could have could have been an error, or maybe the S wasn't on worlds. I, I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting phrasing, a giant open world. So is he talking about the whole whole thing? I mean, they have already, as you absolutely correctly say, Bethesda has already mastered the open world. So maybe now they're going to make an attempt at doing the open galaxy slash open star system thing. Because if you think about it, there are so many ways they could break up the world um, into loading screens. They could do different regions of different planets and sequester them by like ship or vehicle or even just like a, a mountain passage that uh, starts a loading screen when you walk through it. Uh, they could zoom out a little more and do each planet or moon being its own zone. They could do each star system being its own zone. And um, really they could go farther than that, but I can't imagine they would. So that's a, that'll be an interesting thing Um that'll affect how the, the game mechanically feels at traveling from one place to another. The next uh, notable quote comes from Todd Howard, and it's about a minute later. Todd says, A lot of us have been doing this for a long time together, so it's nice with Starfield to go back to some things we didn't do. The backgrounds, the traits, defining your character, all those stats. And I think there's so many games now that do those things that people are ready now for something that does a lot of the things that older hardcore RPGs, some that we used to do, doing those again in a new way. So this is some insight. Something weird is going on with, with character creation, choosing your background traits. So maybe like you pick a class or something. That, what that kind of sounds like is um, the stones in Skyrim, uh, or the signs, I'm sorry, except you pick it at, the, at character creation and it's a trait, and you don't change it. That's how I'm reading that. Um, it could be any number of things, but there's one theory. Defining your character, all those stats. Wow. I, I What's think, your take here? I think it will be like, like you say, the standing stones in Skyrim, because those used to be birth signs, I believe. So they used to be things you'd pick, in menus when you were creating your character. Well, in Morrowind it was part of the tutorial, you'd go through in and you could pick your birth sign and your attributes. So I'm wondering if they're gonna do something like that. Or a mix between how they did it in Morrowind and Oblivion. Because I think that's what people have been asking for and what they felt was lacking from Fallout 4 was you know, uh, your character could be specific stats. They didn't. They could be tailored to specific things rather than. Oh, you can just pick these perks and you can basically stack your way up to being able to use everything if you really want to. But yeah, like, if they bring back stuff like attributes and stuff like that, I think that could be really good. I'm just really intrigued by the 
the word traits because that's not really one they've used before because we've had we have skills we have uh birth signs standing stones as you say uh, they've done classes uh to my knowledge i don't recall them doing traits before so that'll be an exciting thing to learn about i think yeah i think fallout new vegas had traits you could pick two special perks at uh, Doc Mitchell, you could choose two specific perks, and one of them was Wild Wasteland, which would make the game all wacky, like some of the stuff you could encounter in Fallout 3 and stuff. So I'm wondering if it's like that. You get to choose two traits. So like in uh, New Vegas, there's a Four Eyes one where you get bonus stats if you wear glasses. Something, mm. something, something like that. It'll be fun to pick a trait that like fits your backstory so if you ha pick a background that's like you're an intellectual and you spend a lot of time in a then you pick the one that gives you a bonus when you wear glasses or something like that absolutely um so next we have a comment from will shen who is the lead quest designer and also lead writer on far harbor right yeah which uh it's got a lot of people excited that he's a uh, Quest designer. And he says, We always make a bunch of different groups that represent some of the major factions in every game. We've got the United Colonies that represents the Futurist Space Republic, idealized. You also have the Freestar Collective, which is the Space Western Fantasy. People that are out there on the frontier. We've got Ryujin Industries, which represents corporate life. I think it has one of the best starts. Now, this has really got me excited because it's basically confirmed starting. Like, you can, there's different starts. At least that's what I'm taking from this. Because it is, I think it has one of the best starts. That's very, like, specific wording, right? Mm hmm. So like, oh, maybe we can choose our background and, oh, that'd be awesome. You know, like, like you could start in the Freestyle Collective or I could start in the United Colonies. Or if someone wants to start in Neon, they can. Oh, that'd be so cool. And they've never done something like this before. Like you've always started at one location. So maybe these starts are like your first step out moment. And then, obviously, you have your step-out moment, traditional, where you first go and explore and stuff, or you find something that may, may or may not be scripted, but if they can spark a second step-out moment, like you think you've found something, but it's actually the plot, and you... I, I, don't, I don't know, it's like... It's really interesting for me to think about. I think, it's, I think that's awesome. It is. And, and I wonder, with the previous comment about defining your character and picking your background, if the background you pick will be how you select the faction you start the game with. Or if those two things will be independent from each other. Hmm. Hopefully, hopefully they talk about this at E3. Yeah. But I think Todd might, because 
if you've noticed that the showcases, he does not talk about story. He never talks about story. In fact, for Fallout 4, they edited how the game flows. Like, they edited the entire Cotsworth conversation. There's no mention of Sean or what happens to your husband or wife in the vault. You're just the sole survivor. Uh, but to tie it around to why I'm uh, saying this is because... Todd probably won't talk about story, but he probably will talk about systems because he showed off uh, the crafting in for Fallout 4. He, he showed all that, all those systems. And actually, there's a in the you know the montage where he's uh, editing the weapons. Well, yeah, th the footage is editing the weapons. There's like a whisper halfway through. And I've always wondered what that was, but that's, that's going off topic. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried slowing it down. That doesn't make sense, but yeah, that's going off topic. But like, I think he will show up. He might sh very well might show off stuff like how your game starts. I think he will show that probably, and he might talk about different starts. Obviously, they'll go with a pre-built character. They'll probably go with the default male. Uh, character or, or may, may, maybe they'll want to show off the pronouns but ah, there's, there's a lot they could do like and they've got 30 minutes to do this and you get like a 10 minute demo then you know talk concept then you get the con the uh the collector's edition reveal and obviously the he'll console reveal yeah, maybe yeah. Oh, fingers crossed. But I think I think it's going to be interesting because yeah, I don't think it's going to show story, but he's almost definitely going to show stuff like this, probably. Like, because you'll want to talk about what kind of what you can do when you create your character. Like if um, starting locations, that would that would be really cool to show off, right? It's mm -hmm. except at the beginning of the game. It's not really a spoiler, and it's showing off new systems. And if they showed the traits and like what they're like, it might pull forward some people who were disappointed before that fall. Yeah, and the the way this is worded, it sounds like so. Will Shen talks about you know colonies, Freestar Collective, and Region Industries all having their own starts. That doesn't sound like it's ex an exhaustive list. I think there might be even more. Imagine if there's a Crimson Fleet start. That'd be great for our Crimson Fleet fans out there. Yeah. I actually, um, bringing up the Crimson Fleet, we said last episode that we didn't think they were going to be joinable. We did. And we were very, very wrong. And they disproved it literally two weeks after. <laughs> the episode went up. I think, obviously, that means that Todd Howard listens to the Warfield podcast. Absolutely. Well, someone does. Just to prove us wrong. <laughs> oh. No, I've never been more happy to be completely wrong about yeah. something in my life, though. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk more about the Crimson Fleet in a minute. So in response to that Will Shen quote about the different factions you can start the game with, Emil Paglarillo 
says about Reusion Industries, it's a megacorp and you get hired. You And uh, Will Shen responds, you apply for a job, we'll see if you cut the mustard. So it sounds like in the Reusion Industries start, you do this like corporate thing, like work for this big corporation. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun because uh, United Colonies and Freestar Collective are more governmental, like state bodies. And uh, now they're letting us start in the private sector, which has not really happened before. vault Tech, you know, is a private corporation, but I believe they were tied pretty closely to the U.S. government with the experiments and all those things. But to have a clear-cut option of both, um, you know, you can be the corpo, and this reminds me of a certain game, Punk 2077, where you can choose completely different life paths um, for the beginning of the game. Very reminiscent. Absolutely. I... I... It makes me worried. I, I know C, uh, CD Projekt Red is not Bethesda, but like if you start the corpo life path in that game, and slight spoilers for the prologue, but it goes by quite quickly. In that, you immediately on the first mission you get kicked out of the corporation, so you don't really get to live that corpo life. So I'm hoping these backgrounds aren't just, it's just your start and then you get kicked off this. Which I don't think it's going to do, because if you can start with the Freestyle Collective, why would they just boot you out of a faction if they're potentially joinable? So, uh, so I'm hoping with like this, this kind of, like, you know, you can stick with the starting factions instead of like, say if I want to join Ryujin, after I've started the United Colonies, there might be a process for that. But I can just start, if I start in that faction, it, I'm automatically in it. So I don't really have to do much to get in. Whereas if I'm in another faction as a starting point, I have to kind of prove myself to that faction instead. Which I, I think could be really interesting. Obviously, it was speculation, but... Yeah, I also wonder... So let's say we start the game with United Colonies. Could we finish the game, or if there's another kind of a Colony War 2, so to speak, could we fight for the Freestar Collective, even though we started the game with UC, and then become a Freestar Collective Ranger or whatever? Uh, how much crossover they'll allow there? I have to think that if they're doing an RPG and they allow the player to tell their own story, I'm sure we'll be allowed to. But um, they're going to have to write that in somehow, so it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. It's like... Now, this, this one I'm about to say is a real shot in the dark, but imagine if this game ends with the spark of the next war, and we literally get to decide how this war starts, or who starts what. And then when the second game takes place, like a theoretical second game, we see the results of that war. Th that is, this is a huge shot in the dark and complete speculation on my part. But I'm just thinking like, they're in an uneasy piece, so uh, this, the, the war could break out again, very easily. 
And obviously that would be one hell of a way to end the game. Or maybe even we settle the conflict altogether in the game. Who knows? But that's just my wildest speculation for today. It's fun to think about. And it, maybe we'll do the Skyrim Civil War thing again with the colony with the uh, UC and FC conflict. And we can be like a, a neutral arbiter. Yeah. Uh, you alright for us to go on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. So Todd says, after what we're doing with the pirates, the Crimson Fleet as well, they're not just this foe. Let the player join them. Which, this is first confirmation, yes, we can join the Crimson Fleet. Me and Mitch were wrong. Because, obviously, we're going to get stuff wrong. In this <laughs> phase of Starfield's timeline. Like, the um, the IRL timeline, not the uh, fictional <laughs> timeline that we'll... Uh... And there's no shame in being wrong. Like, uh, like I said earlier, like, I'm really excited to join the Crimson Fleet and like could not be happier about <laughs> being wrong about that prediction. And then like li literally after this, like after Todd says what he says, Emil follows up by saying the cool thing about the Crimson Fleet, what if you're a good person and want to be a good player and you don't want to play as the bad guy, as a bad guy, sorry. You can side with the pirates or report back to your superiors and be the space cop type thing, type of thing. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> we can play double agent. <laughs> we have eight months to think of which one we're going to do. What are you leaning towards right now? I think I'm going to be a double agent. I'm going to like infiltrate the Crimson Fleet and report to my superiors. Be like a secret agent or what I'm calling a double agent because you're joining a faction but you're actually just telling all their secrets to uh, the other factions I can't decide so my first playthrough in a Bethesda game is usually good good-ish I might I might murder the occasional person just when I'm when I'm feeling like it but generally I like to play as a good person so I think I'll either do the double agent or I just might be like kill on sight for the Crimson Fleet. I'm not sure. I really want their armor, so I have to kill at least one of them if I don't join them. I'm probably going to do the uh, quick save thing. Quick save and then shoot one of them and see what happens. <laughs> there are memes like where you your character you press quick save and everyone around you gets a terrified look on their face because <laughs> they know what's coming <laughs> testing the waters <laughs> it's like you i think 90 percent of the people that played fallout 4 as soon as they went into diamond city they just shot someone <laughs> i think when you first walk into diamond city or maybe it's later in the game, but there's like a really big meeting right outside like Takahashi's noodle stand. So there's a lot of people standing close together. I fat manned that meeting. Oh no, how could you? <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Not many survivors. But... 
The next one is something we had kind of briefly alluded to earlier. Emil says, you know, we knew we wanted to do some kind of persuasion mini game thing. It sounds familiar in a Bethesda Game Studios game. <laughs> Will Shen uh, responds, yeah, we sat down and it was funny. We didn't start with, let's do an evolution of the old Oblivion system, but there are a couple of beats there. You have to think about what's my risk here, which one do I want to choose? We didn't want it to be a system where there's definitely the right thing to say. Todd responds, it feels like you're having a conversation where you're actually trying to persuade somebody of something. As far as new systems and dialogue, I think it's definitely one of the most successful ones that we've had. So the I noticed like uh, websites kind of ran with this and said like Starfield is going to have Oblivion's dialogue system. This sentence from Todd, it feels like you're having a conversation where you're actually trying to persuade some that right there says that this is not oblivion's dialogue system <laughs> i i i don't think anyone knows how oblivion's dialogue system works i mean i mean sure sure you could look on the wiki and figure out how it works but i've always just randomly clicked around and hoped it worked i always it... found uh bribing the NPC was a lot easier because you just yeah. spam one button. I guess I f it feels kind of icky saying this, but there were certain races where it was hard to read their facial expressions. Like Khajiit, I think. I couldn't tell when they were happy. Nothing's creepier than an uh, Oblivion NPC smiling. <laughs> but yeah, that's exciting. Fallout 4's uh, persuasion system was just a dice roll that was influenced by your charisma stat. And Skyrim, I don't even know what it, what influenced the persuasion dice roll, if there was anything. I think it's literally a persuade option, and it has like a percent chance of happening. You have to have a high speech. It's actually how it works. Oh, is it? That's right. It would be the speech skill. forgot about that. In, in Fallout 4, it's pretty, it's like the most simplest version of it. Because everyone just quick saves and then tries again and again and again and eventually it'll work. Yeah. It's kind of been reduced each game in complexity. And it sounds like that complexity is coming back this time. I think in Fallout 4, if your charisma's higher than 10, it's almost guaranteed to work. That's uh, one way to break the game. One of many. It won't be a Bethesda game if you couldn't break it by abusing systems. Absolutely not. Oh boy, I can't wait for the Starfield duplication glitch. <laughs> it's coming. We know it's coming. There was just one last uh, notable exchange uh, in the, the dialogue in the videos. Do you want to bring us home with that one? Uh, yep. So... Emil follows up by saying, As a game, we have romance, adventure mystery, but I think with Starfield, there's this other layer of the cosmos, the universe, and what's out there. Sorry, and what is out there. And then Todd responds saying, At the end of it, we want the players to have told their own journey, but then look back at it, and we're asking the big questions. Why are we all here? Where is it leading? What's next for humanity? I think that 
might answer what those big questions are. Yeah, we spent so much time speculating on what was by answering humanity's biggest questions. And, um, and Todd kind of spells it out for us. So thank, thank you, Todd. My dream of having the game end on a cliffhanger where an alien is revealed and it's the first contact, the credits roll, and then in Starfield 2, we've kind of assimilated with aliens. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But that's okay. Yeah. I... I... I don't know if they do a... I don't know how a cliffhanger would work, because in Bethesda games, you can continue after the story. So... I don't know. I mean, they've shown that monolith, and that we found something. So I wonder if Todd's doing what Todd does and he's masking one of the questions or he's not talking about one of the questions like we know there's some sort of alien structure so something to do with the plot's got to do with that right yeah because also the woman in constellation says what you found it is the key to it so I don't know what I'm saying a lot of this but she says it's the key to unlocking everything, what you've discovered. So obviously, in the, I imagine the prologue is what I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say. In the prologue, we discover something, and that could be our second moment. We think we've discovered something, but it's scripted, but not in a way that you'd notice immediately. You know, they, they obviously want to, to make the player feel like they've accomplished something. So if you go on the prologue mission... And then when you finish, you discover that device. And what I'm thinking is, I've had another theory of what that device is. My personal take is, I think that's a, some sort of teleportation device. I think mm. it's going to open some sort of gateway. And I think that could, in, in theory, and this is the big shot in the dark, is the final mission is the other side of that gateway. We get it working, and then we go through it, and the last mission is through whatever's through that gateway. And it ends with us leaving and reporting it. Hmm. And then maybe one faction, whoever we choose, takes control of that device. And then it's left open in the air what happens next. And then that way they've opened the door for a uh, Starfield 2, uh, spin-offs, stuff like that. That's what I think. I think it could be some sort of gateway. Not just about cracking light speed or something. It's literally like a teleporter. Like in Minecraft, you light a never portal. It's literally a portal. You walk through it or something. I don't know. Speculation, but that's what I think. And to tie it back around to why I'm even saying this is because I feel they don't want to reveal anything about that device until we get the game mm. and maybe maybe that device isn't as important but i don't know to, to me that feels important and the, the wording in the trailer i just don't think they're going to talk about it i feel like if anything they don't want to tell us or spoil that because that might be story focused 
How we don't even know it's an alien device. This is speculation and, you know, the sketches, the poster. What the woman says in the teaser, like, to me, that's pointing to all that. And I think it's some sort of gateway and that's going to answer, are we alone? In Bethesda's Starfield universe, anyway. You were talking about cliffhangers and how they might work when you can play after the story ends. Mm-hmm. There was an open world game I played, and I can't remember what maybe somebody could remind me if they know, where it ended with, like, um, I think the protagonist died, and then you could play after the story ended and you got a message. You can continue to play, and it's it's like, it's as if the events of the end of the game never happened. So that was how they they just broke the fourth wall and told you, just... This is before all that, you know, you can keep playing. Mm. So that could be one way to handle it. And unless they do what they did with Fallout 3. And in making Fallout 3 a faithful game like Fallout 1, this is what I think they were doing with Fallout 3. The reason why Fallout 3 originally ended, sorry, spoilers, you can skip ahead. Obviously, if you've never played Fallout 3 or you don't want to get spoiled for that game, but in that game, you turn on the purifier, you die. That's it. That, your story's over. And people didn't like that because that wasn't the BGS thing, you know, where you can continue after. So unless they do something like that. But, but I also tell myself with Fallout 3, it's like Fallout 1. Fallout 1 ends as soon as you beat the game. Fallout 2, I don't believe it does, but there's a hard time limit. So after so many years, the game will stop working. Or the game will end. Something like that. Um, but I didn't mind how Fallout 3 ended. But I know a lot of people didn't like it. Because it, you know, it's implied you died when you turned on the purifier. Um, and they made a DLC to rectify the complaints. And that was Broken Steel. And that makes it so you don't die, and you can... There's more story. That's not where the game ends. So. Who knows, but they have done it before, so. It's always a, a card. Okay, so that was all of the notable quotes from... The recent Into the Starfield video. And now we're going to go over the 12 new concept arts in the order they appeared. So the first one is of a... What appears... It's like a, a large industrial uh, shipyard. Right, on like a, a desert rocky planet. There's a shipping container suspended uh, from a ship. It seems to be a common mode of cargo transport. You know, you've yeah, in this one we've got uh, people for, people for scale, and then I don't know what are we like underneath? Like the structure is angled, so maybe it's a a ship or a ramp, maybe. I I don't know what uh what do you think? At first, I was like all on board that it was a ship i thought it was like a huge capital ship and on the right you can see like another inclined thing that's kind of going up to meet whatever we're underneath and i thought that might be a ramp and then what we see 
covering up like the upper half of the art is like the underbelly of this huge ship. But um, looking at it more, I, I'm more convinced that this is just like the roof of a hangar that's maybe built into a mountain or something. It does seem to be more of a remote location. So, you know, me and my Star Wars references, this could be something like Hoth's uh, Echo Base, where they, they built a pretty cool like uh, outpost or shipping yard into a, into a mountain. I would I would bet that this is on the same planet as those like weird crab things. Yeah, yeah. Do you think those are helium three tanks in the back? Those tall cylindrical things. There's two of them. Maybe because the helium three is a gas, so you could contain it in something like that. I think. I mean, they put normal helium in canisters, so and that's a gas. Another interesting little detail is that those three people you see, like, working the shipyard are wearing high-visibility clothing, presumably so that pilots can see them as they're coming into land. And the farthest one out there has their arms up, just like uh, real-world airports do. They wear those, or they hold those... Um, flashy light things and they back the planes out and direct them in cool little detail i've also noticed there's like a it's like a mechanical arm looking thing in like uh, near the middle so i'm wondering if that's like some sort of like uh compact crane sort of thing like an more like a mechanical arm, but like it picks up stuff, heavy stuff. Like spins it around, I don't know. Move it around a lot, you know. Like what that ship's carrying, like a container. I bet you're right. I, I saw that and was thinking like turret or cannon, but that makes way more sense and looks more like it, yeah. And I think that, sh unless you have any more details you found, I think that'll be it for this one. I think so. Okay, so the next one is of a New Atlantis spaceport. And this ship right here is almost the exact same as the Frontier from the E3 2021 teaser. The only difference in this case is the color scheme and this appears to be i want to say united colonies colors but it could also just be the new atlantis colors and uh, i think you can see the same colors on the flags in the background we've got you know flight crew as well you know wearing the proper equipment in the area and in the background which gives it away this is definitely new atlantis is the trees we've seen those trees before which we pinned as new atlantis and uh, we also see the united colonies logo in the background as well so yeah do you have any thoughts on this one i just find it interesting that so we've seen the same ship in multiple colors 
What could that possibly mean? Hmm. If only there was a theory about some sort of upgrade. Or something starts with a C. I can't remember what it is. Ship. Oh, customization. I didn't even recognize, though, that the uh, the banners in the background have the same color scheme as the ship. That's a really good catch. I think they do, unless my eyes are playing tricks on me. I think they do. The other weird thing about this one is that uh, the art style is like kind of different from any of the other ones we've seen. The ship, I don't know if you get this vibe too, but to me the ship looks almost like like a computer graphic. It doesn't look painted like a lot of the other things. It could be um different artist maybe. Mm. Uh, there's also uh, a tower in the background, and I've joked, it looks like the Citadel from Half-Life 2. I'm going to have to take your word for it. Never played Half-Life 2. Oh, you're missing out. I know. You said that's so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it is disappointing, because it's such a revered game, and I never had the chance to play it. It holds up very well. And uh, it runs really well on potato graphics. What I mean is you can run it on um, a basic laptop. Uh, right. Same with Portal. They run really well on old hardware. Which uh, makes sense. Half-Life 2 came out in 2004. I can't pick anything up. Um, outside, you know, like, they're wearing unique clothing, like in the foreground. And then in the background, you've got, like, uh, more of the stylized New Atlantis clothes we've seen before, I believe. There's someone with a very interesting hat. The second most right person. They kind of remind me of, like, the weird design of the trees. But also, there's a, like a giraffe thing in Horizon, Zero Dawn. Kind of looks like that to me as well. Mm. And it's funny that it is the same shape as the trees. So um, that was the New Atlantis spaceport. And um, now Mitch will talk about Freestyle Collective stuff, which came right after. Thank you, Isra. So we know that, like, so we know those first two were United Colonies territory, and we know that these next two are Freestar Collective territory because of the way they were, like, edited into the video. They happened as Will Shen talked about each respective faction. So um, those first two were uh, United Colonies, and now we're getting into the Freestar Collective stuff. We first get a new look at Aquila City. It looks a lot different i thought than the first look we had of it you see the familiar mountains in the background and that one tall structure in the middle that we also saw in the first one but now we're outside the walls and from the outside it looks a lot denser than uh, it did before i think those buildings are pretty tightly packed together and the kind of 
general design of the city reminds me a lot of Windhelm from Skyrim. It's like a, a fortress. I feel like it might get easy to get lost in there. I dig it a lot, but it's just very different, I thought, from the first look. The first look looked more open, like there was more space between the buildings. That sort of thing. And then outside of the walls, in the foreground, we see somebody with a knife. There's like a bounty hunter or something like that They're looking at the walls, and they have a holstered knife. And that means holstered weapons are probably coming back. We haven't seen those in a while in a Bethesda Game Studios game, so that's exciting. On the walls of the city, there are skeletons and some drawings depicting some kind of life form. And some people thought these might be Ashta, some people thought they might be something else. I believe it's pretty likely that these are Ashta, because we already know that the walls were built to keep the Ashta out. We know that from the Settled system. Systems video, Emil said such. And uh, the skulls on that wall are consistent with what you would expect a wolf and velociraptor cross to look like. So you can look this up, a, a wolf skull and a velociraptor skull. <laughs> it's hard to describe, but if you just kind of cross them together in your head, you could conceivably get something like what you see on the walls there. And then uh, there could also be some confusion about the skeletal structure of the things because it's it looks like it could be upright. It's kind of a weird um, structure between the spinal cord, the skull, and the rib cage. I think the reason for that is we typically see skeletons for wolves and velociraptors either in walking positions. Say like in a museum, you'll see a velociraptor that's strung up by wires and you see the skeleton that way um, or laying down on their side. As like they died, they're fossilized, etc. These skeletons are suspended by the skull. So the spine and the rib cage are just hanging freely below them. So I think that might be why it doesn't look like a wolf or a velociraptor, because the spine isn't in its natural kind of position that it would be when the, the organism was living. So why could the astroskeletons be outside the walls, do you think? I'd say to strike fear, but I don't think the Ashta are going to be very smart. More, maybe like more like trophies. I feel like the Freestyle Collective uh, would be quite a few people would want to collect trophies, right? Yeah. And even if like the Ashta themselves are intelligent enough to be warded off by the skeletons. The person in this concept art doesn't look very friendly to the city. So maybe it's to ward off like human invaders or something like that too. I will say the wall is very, it's very, I, I don't know how to phrase it. It's very armored. It makes me question how big are the Ashta really? Those skeletons suggest maybe they're smaller, but they could easily be like Ashta younglings. That's a possibility. Or maybe it's just there's some other human threat or some other threat on uh, Aquila that they need these reinforced doors. 
on the guard post, they've also got those giant machine guns. So they've got to deal with some pretty terrible things. Because I think if if they were just fighting off some creatures that were the same size as a wolf, I think those doors would be overkill for something like that. So unless there's something a lot worse out there, or if the Astra are bigger than we expect. I also noticed near the middle of the, the art, uh, at the top of one of the buildings, there's a satellite dish. And it looks a lot like modern-day satellite dishes that we already have. So this might confirm that the way we currently communicate wirelessly using electromagnetic waves, or in a satellite dish's case, radio waves, are still being used in 2330. And this is also indicated in last year's trailer when like, you heard the radio messages at the beginning and they were kind of obscured by distortion and radio feedback. So it's not exactly new info that we're still communicating with radio waves, but um, it's worth noting because it's pretty deep lore. Um, with those containers, I don't know if they look like anything in the scientific world. I don't know if you know anything like that. I've seen some communications equipment that looks a little bit like that. But I'm I'm not educated enough to confidently say what that might be. It could also like store stuff. It looks like a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope there's a snowman in Starfield somewhere. Or build our own snowman in like a settlement mode. It's an item exclusive to Aquila. And the game is supposed to be saying yes whenever we try something. So I'm expecting snowmen, Todd. We're going to make snow Ashta. <laughs> I don't think they'll be as dangerous as the ones I'll. I'll... Be partial to if they take the 76 route and you have to find plans for settlement stuff i think that'd be kind of cool and aquila is the only way to get say the ashta skull recipe or something i know it could be off-putting for some but for collectors like Unlike 76 where it's online, it's a single player game, so obviously the recipes don't have to be really hard to grind for, you can get them fairly easily, it's just, it's more of a progression thing, you get all these plans and then you can start building more things, so it's like you're learning stuff as you're playing. Do you see the uh, trees in the foreground there? Uh, yes. The last look we saw at Aquila City showed no trees, I don't believe. If there were, there were very few. And you can only really see the tundral hills above the city. But immediately outside the walls, we can now see that there are trees. And it's very lush with moss and other like dense plant life. So if you thought you'd be safe from the Ashta because you'd see them coming from a mile away out on the open tundra, think again. We'll be fighting them and they'll be hunting us in a 
dense jungle. So that's something to look forward to. So the Earth-like atmosphere that you see in the sky means that Earth's ecology is presumably a good starting point for analyzing this planet's environment. And I went way overboard again, but there was a 2020 study called Influence of Altitude on the Distribution Pattern of Flora in a Protected Area of Western Himalaya. It's a very long name. But this study, it was a group of Indian researchers. They divided a region of the Himalayan mountains into five altitudinal zones. Then they surveyed the area and counted the different species of flora, flora in that area. And the results are pretty interesting. They found 324 species of Florida, flora, which represented 92 families of flora. And of those families, only eight of them were observed in all five altitudinal zones. 40 of them, or almost half, were observed in a single altitudinal zone, and the remaining 44 were found in more than one but less than five altitudinal zones. And one of the things the researchers noted, which is reflected in this concept art, is that tree growth is negatively correlated with altitude by a Pearson correlation coefficient of negative 0.96. That is an extreme correlation. A perfect negative correlation would be negative one, and this is negative 0.96. So trees are very dependent on altitude. And the study didn't go into the why for this, but I imagine a big factor is oxygen levels, oxygen being higher at lower altitudes. And Bethesda's done this sort of thing before. In oblivion, lower altitude areas are usually dense forest, while the Gerald Mountains and even the higher parts of the Gold Coast have fewer trees than a lot of other parts of the map. So it's subtle, but it's a, it's a world design concept that Bethesda's doing again. It's, it's encouraging to see like the intricate level of detail that will often go unnoticed. Very well said. Thank you. That was a very long-winded way of saying there are trees. The next one is another Aquila study shot and it looks exactly the same as one of the neon ones. It's framed very similarly. This time we see kind of a very like dense, busy market in uh, like the alleys of Aquila City. The stonework and the color palette also indicate that it's Aquila City on top of just the timing of it in the video. It's another representation of the density that was not conveyed in the first look at the city we saw. There's a merchant selling fresh fruit, spices, and scrap. In the neon one, they were selling uh, fish, psychoactive fish. Is that a salamander on the side? Oh, <laughs> I'm getting side sidetracked, jumping all over the place. But there's a there's a salamander, I think, crawling on one of the walls on the right side. Oh yeah, that is creepy. I hope that thing isn't hostile. It's in the sea, surely it's friendly. Although I've got to say, that rifle. Ooh. It's scoped. I, I will say it's very... It's just as packed as the, uh, the neon market. This concept art's well-timed in the sense that RTX has been in the news lately because it might be coming to Series X, I believe. And uh, 
there's light cascading through like the scaffolding um, at the top of the art. Uh, there's like beams and wires up there, and the the light just shines right down. That would look amazing with RTX. The merchant that I talked about earlier, sitting on the left, also has like glowing glasses. I think. Kind of looks like a visor. Hmm. I wonder if it's some sort of interface thing. Very possibly. So do you the on the same person? Do you see that gold thing on their chest? I have a guess for what that might be. I think it might be an Ashta claw. Ooh. Maybe that they're wearing as a necklace. As busy as this one is, I think that might be all the significant details in it. Yeah, I think there's some sort of logo on, like, um, the person with the rifle. There's some sort of logo on their arm, but you can't make out what it is exactly. I guess it would also be worth mentioning that their clothes and their weapon are made up of the same color scheme. Like the uh, the black and yellow kind of uh, mix. Yeah. I wonder if that could mean something. <laughs> you want to take these uh, next two? Uh, yep. So this next one is the underbelly of Neon. Uh, with fishing barges, which is presumably netted up Aurora fish, maybe. There appears to be what looks to be a crane up top that uh, hoists boats out of the water. As you can see on the side, there's two boats hoisted by chains. Um, there's some looks like there's some sort of mechanism on the ceiling that picks up the boats, and then you've got the spotlights. And maybe the spots like spotlights, um, maybe, maybe they act like um, lighthouses or just general lighting. Maybe uh, neon doesn't get a lot of daytime hours, so there's the lights. Or maybe, just maybe, there is something in the water. <laughs> that they have to repel with light, yeah. ward off. Hmm. Or they use the light to penetrate the water so they can see it coming and give a warning. But also, uh, that woman, think it's a woman? But anyway, the person, they have a funky looking arm. Prosthetics, maybe? Mm. Of course, we don't know if... We will be able to have prosthetic arms, but definitely NPCs very well could from this concept. If that really is their arm, which some people are convinced is an arm. I, I think it's an arm, myself. Do you think it's an arm, Mitch? I, I've been looking real closely. I think it is. 
it's unlike prosthetics we've seen in the real world because those the components that make it up are like they look like twizzlers if you have those in the uk yeah i know, I know like, what you mean yeah it's like metal rods that are just winding around each other like a um, double helix but i do think i see fingers like a thumb at the bottom near her hip i wonder how this how the arm would work it won't it won't be a solid it won't be a complete solid because you couldn't bend it but if it's some sort of flexible material that can bend and then move back into like a, a straight position you know your arms down your side i think maybe that could be how it works it's some sort of like artificially made like it's very flexible you know because I, th- I don't I don't think uh, something akin to bone where it's designed like that I don't know how that would I don't think you'd have a very fun time bending your arm sure it's a very funky design and I kind of like it if, if we're allowed to have prosthetic arms I am choosing one just because I love some prosthetic like designs like futuristic designs and I really like that design but if there's if there's a more tech like if this is basically saying there is these kind of things I'd love to have a more cybernetic one if if that's even an option I mean I'm kind of jumping the gun with this but yeah to me that says prosthetic arms exist in Starfield. The thing that's getting me about prosthetics is today we have stem cell treatments. And if this, the literature I've read has any truth to it, it sounds like we'll be able to grow limbs in like the coming decades. So I wonder if prosthetics will act as some sort of like uh, class signifier. Like if if you can't afford to get a new limb grown, then you'll have to do the like the poor person's way and wear a prosthetic, if that makes any sense. Mm. It's like um, uh, I think they're called dental implants. They're fairly popular. They take a cast of um, your real teeth, I believe. So they they you know the right size. They're quite cool. I have to say, but the what I've heard, they're very expensive. Yeah, I can confirm that. I'm missing teeth in a couple places just because there were no baby, there were no uh, adult teeth that grew under the baby teeth. So I've got a couple gaps, and it was way too expensive for me to get implants. So I wear a retainer with the hope of one day being able to get implants. Uh, so yeah, that was the underbelly of neon concept. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this one? Just that I can't wait to walk across that catwalk and here you can see the waves kind of splashing up on the support column of the the fishing platform. I bet they're gonna nail the sound design of that, and you'll be able to hear the the, the wash kind of crashing into the the pipes and everything. Oh. It's just gonna be a cool experience. Do, oh, do you know what's popped in my head? Like, uh, you're walking along and sometimes you can hear the metal creaking. I know I said I don't like that sound. 
especially on shipwrecks, but like yeah. you can hear the structure groaning from like the water pressure. That'd be awesome. All right, so the next one confirms there's a train in New Atlantis. And they appear to be magnetic trains, which I think you've brought up in some posts, I believe. Yes. Um, the trains, the train here is almost definitely what's called an electrodynamic train. What's really cool about electrodynamic trains is that they actually levitate above the rail. In the real world, they levitate by about four inches. It seems like it's a little more than that in this concept art. But the reason electrodynamic trains make sense is uh, because they're considered to be very energy efficient. The levitation eliminates any friction with the rail or road below the, the train. So um, if you're like a new civilization, probably trying to conserve energy, it would make sense that they would decide on an electrodynamic train. The reason electrodynamic trains aren't more common on Earth is because we already have this huge conventional railroad system. And it's not as simple as just like laying down magnetic magnetic track on top of the railroad track. You'd have to like take out the railroad and then put on the the magnetic track. So it'd be a very expensive process. So um, there hasn't been much investment into the magnetic trains. But um, there are some famous systems like the bullet train in Japan and... Um, like other maglev trains so that's technically a theory but um it looks very very similar to what an electrodynamic train looks like on the bottom absolutely i'm so this would be like they divide the city like uh, a comparison would be the Imperial City in Oblivion, where it's divided in sections, and maybe in New Atlantis, in the New Atlantis case, you use it. You use this train to get around to different sections. Some parts might be inaccessible else, and it it would be a way to like divide the world space and reduce load. We should probably help performance as well than loading the whole city i also think of the movie zootopia it's kind of divided like the imperial city but by biomes it would be cool to have another districted city uh, in new atlantis ultimately though i think my hope would be that even if the districts are kind of far apart or if each one's really big, we would still be able to like walk seamlessly from one to the next. Like I want the trains to be an option and I want the trains to be quicker. I want them to actually be useful. Right. But like, I still want to, I still want it to be one seamless open world. You know, I've just noticed two of those guys on the foreground, they're holding rifles. I did not notice that until now. It could be maybe like United Colonies security guards or something. 
Sidonia Security, maybe, or Sysdef, or Vanguard. Yeah, they appear to be having a conversation of some sort. By the way, I just want to say, you know we said last episode in Fallout they didn't have gun manufacturers? They did? They do, only in Pacific games and they're never mentioned in other titles. And then I presume the real world guns are all their real world manufacturer, but they can't say that for legal reasons. I guess I was thinking more along the lines of like, like on the actual gun model. Yeah, yeah. I hope we see like a, a whole list of manufacturers, uh, weapon manufacturers for Starfield. Um, outside of like combat tech which you've already seen because that would be so cool to like read upon like uh, even if it's just a paragraph just read that I love those kind of details yeah same and it could be like uh, maybe the Freestar Collective you know uses one manufacturer's guns and United Colonies uses another that's kind of how it is in the real world Well, like, uh, weapon manufacturers, they have contracts, deals. It's like uh, any business. You know, you're contracted to make stuff for other people, right? So maybe the Freestyle Collective uh, contract one manufacturer. And they're more in favour of that manufacturer and have, like, stocks maybe in that company. Whereas the United Colonies might have their own division solely for making tech weapons or something something like that or maybe they both own their own manufacturers and they have their own custom guns i believe it was confirmed in an interview that there are lasers in the game so that could mean energy weapons pew 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 indeed there was Another point I wanted to make on the trains. So if you recall, there was that neon concept art, or what we have long believed to be neon. It was never explicitly said to be neon. That also has a train station. This is the first look we get at an actual train. Uh, we already kind of knew they were in the game because of this train station. Uh, that was the one that also had Ryujin Industries, uh, kind of central as the focal point. So... That billboard got me thinking. We've always thought it was a neon. If Ryujin Industries has a has like a sign outside of this train station, shouldn't they have some type of like corporate or manufacturing presence in that city as well? I mean, they don't necessarily have to, but I think that would make a lot of sense. So here's my theory. I think that art that we thought was neon is actually in New Atlantis, in some type of like nightlife district of New Atlantis or something that looks a lot like Neon, but there's a train station that goes through there. Because if Neon is on a fishing platform, that's not big enough for a train system, I don't think. I mean, of course, Region Industries could have like a factory or something on Neon as well, but I don't know if Neon would have enough space, again, because it's just a fishing platform. What uh, do you think of the plausibility of that? 
Have I found something we disagree on? Or do you think that could be new at length as well? Yeah, I, uh, it could be. It could just be in like a, another section, of course. Yeah, almost definitely could be. Very well. We'll find out soon. Mm -hmm. Next one is a Crimson Fleet pirate, just kind of looking into a black, smoky background that ironically looks like the background of the Skyrim main menu. But um, there's not too much to poke at here because we've already seen this same armor set, I believe. Um, it's just a Crimson Fleet pirate with the Jolly Roger on their back. Um, not too much to talk about there. The following one is um, like a factory scene. Uh, there's somebody welding what looks to be like a, a wagon or some type of cart thing. I didn't notice any markings or emblems to indicate like their faction alliance. But um, I think this might be a combat space because it's there's like a red hue in the whole building and uh, it's kind of dense and there's chains and it doesn't look very friendly. So I, I think there might be some fighting going on in here when uh, when we get to it. Yeah, I think it's I think we've kind of seen this angle before. It might be different. Is it different art? Hang on. No, no, no. It's, it, it's definitely different art. Yeah, I think it's it's very similar to previous art, but it's got like background effects and stuff, which is kind of cool. But definitely something we've seen before. Yeah, and if you look at like the the walls, I think they're white walls with the red hue over everything. It's hard to tell, but the walls and the windows higher up. Those look like the same walls and windows that we saw in the 2018 leaked images. Oh, yeah. Kind of does, yeah. I see that. As if we needed more confirmation that those were legitimate. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think we did. I wonder what's in those blue barrels. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm inclined to say, like, Helium 3 or Aurora for like every question like that but there's more to the universe than those things obviously so it's i'd guess it's something we haven't heard about or it could just be like water could be oil uh for the like machinery mm. well, it uh, looks like to the left of those something's on fire oh yeah actually kind of looks like one of the barrels are so maybe they're explosive mm. It's one of those that definitely raises more questions than answers, I feel like. Mm. Not much too concrete we can pull, but it is a fun one to look at. Um, there's a there's a plastic chair. It's a, quite funny. There is. That's dangerous because plastic chairs burn very, very easily. Like a, a plastic chair, you'll get flames like 10 feet high. Oh, really? Yeah. I know from experience. <laughs> I think we can move on to the next one, though, if if you're ready. Uh, yep. So this next one, it shows two members of presumably Constellation, which is like um, the player. Uh, if you've seen the leaked images, um, that is definitely the player model. 
and there's another character that looks to be not I don't think the gear is exactly the same but the helmet and overall they don't appear to have the jetpack I don't believe if you correct me if I'm wrong on that I think you're right so maybe that's a companion they wear a similar suit to us or if it's actually a new or, or sorry if it's a another member of constellation you're on like a mission with like sometimes you have to go on those AI driven missions where you have to follow an NPC around uh, this concept has very weird vegetation <laughs> or at least I hope that's vegetation they kind of look like Venus flytraps and like these sometimes like hexagon out like it's like a, um, it's like an, a hive, if you like, with the hexagons, all those kind of shapes. Yeah, I was thinking the same. Do you have any thoughts on this outside that? Um, it's hard for me to comment on like the the walls of this like flower hive, just because it's so weird. <laughs> but I'm more of my energy was drawn towards the two people we see because the person ahead, the other constellation member, presumably has the same helmet as us. So we know that the protagonist's base helmet isn't unique. Um, they also don't have the jetpack, which is odd. And then for this last point, I'm probably reading way too much into it because this is concept art and not like a screenshot, but the other person is way ahead of the protagonist, probably 20 or 30 yards ahead. That would never happen in Fallout 4 Skyrim. So uh, we know with Creation Engine 2, one of the things they're revamping is AI. So I wonder if maybe sometimes our follower will be the one that's kind of the leader, like forging ahead through a dungeon rather than always behind us. I could see that, yeah. Uh, if you're right, if we move on to the next one. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is the Frontier Ship. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. It, it has different thrusters. Like the four like balancing thrusters. I believe they are different because they look like... I'm going to say Ion, but I don't know if that's correct. That's what I'd call them personally. But they don't look like the typical rockets we saw in the E3 trailer. But like, you know, they ignite and they look like, like, well, like flames, red, orange flames, sorry. And like the, um, it looks like it's a toxic pit because like the, the greeny yellow smoke coming out of the crater. So I'm wondering where this could be. I mean, if you look in the distance, it looks like a o ocean, like water and some land. So, who, who, like, what could this be? Could this be like some sort of acid pit or like some sort of volcanic or like some acidic formation? 
somewhere on some planet. I, I don't know. I, I think it could be interesting. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think one thing that's for certain is that when we get out of the ship and we look at our O2 CO2 meter, it will be almost completely CO2 and very little O2 when we're near that green gas. <laughs> but um, yeah, th that ocean at the top is weird because that it, what it means is that that pit that the green gas is coming out of is below sea level. But the water or whatever liquid makes up that ocean like doesn't penetrate the pit that we see here. So it's just kind of a unique or interesting land formation. Definitely. And I don't think there's any more um, that we can take from this one. Unless you have any additional thoughts on it. Just that the ship looks very modular. Yeah, so... Very modular. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I brought up earlier, the thrusters are different. I, I believe, anyway. The uh, front four, four ones kind of like balance it. That's what I imagine they're for, and that's why there are angles, is so you can like balance um, at different points to keep the ship, well, hovering, in a sense. Which should be very beneficial in landing. Of course, none of our spaceships look like that right now, but maybe one day they will. Hopefully. Bethesda seems to think so. The next concept art we see is the protagonist alone in a really weird, almost dreamlike, desolate landscape. Some kind of weird rock makes up the land and my favorite part of it is that taking up almost the entire sky is some kind of nearby planet or moon. It's got some kind of like weird elevation on the ground. So if there's some sort of... I don't know. The ground doesn't look very... It looks very alien. Like extremely alien. And uh, I have a theory that this could be the planet where the alien artifact is that we, that we believe we is the thing we've discovered. I like it. And maybe this plays into it. You know, we're going into a like uh, we brought up earlier constellation, the last group of space explorers. We're in an uncharted section, and this is part of like the prologue. And this, this is complete speculation, of course. But maybe it could be the planet where we discover this monolith device. Whatever it ends up being. And I guess it would be a good time just to, like, for the people who don't remember or didn't catch it, in the 2021 trailer from E3, there was, like, a drawing and a photograph of some really weird alien type structure that had like these rings that came out of the ground and rotated and um it was implied that the player discovered it just as like a, a refresher 
Mm. And um, we believe we also see this device in the journey through space art as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, at the bottom. Thank you. I have pointed out that it, um, in the Starfield Alliance Discord, that it kind of looks like part of New Atlantis, but a lot of it doesn't match up as well. So for now, we still believe it's the same alien structure. Going back to that like planet or moon that's in the sky, I'm really excited for when it's nighttime on this planet and in the sky you can see the light reflecting off of that i'm going to call it a moon like and it would just be so like bright taking off almost everything if you look up in skyrim there's that nearby planet and this is even bigger than that i think the size of that planet i think whatever we're standing on this is the moon and that thing in the sky is the planet it's orbiting Oh, I'm so dumb. You're exactly right. I believe you can see this in No Man's Sky. If you land on a planet's moon, you can kind of get the same view. That makes total sense. This is definitely a moon. Good thinking. I think uh, we could probably go to the next one, though. Yep. So here we see a small fleet of ships cruising through, it might be a nebula, cruising through space um, with clouds and dust behind them, the rings of a planet too. Reddit user The Credic on the Starfield subreddit pointed out that part of these ships near the middle also appear on a completely different ship, which would indicate modular ship construction. You could even say it confirms modular ship construction. Definitely. It's got some really cool, like, X thrusters. They're, like, shaped like an X. Ooh, yeah, it does. And, and they're the ion ones again. Yeah, and there's, like, where usually that um, spherical device is on the frontier, there's, like, this disc, and to me, it reminds me of the USS... Enterprise from Star Trek. It has like that disc body. I think that might be the cockpit. Hmm. I think the cockpit is in the same position at the front. It's just darkened. Hmm. I think what's most visually striking about this is there are no visible thrusters on the side on the front to like as balancing. So maybe this ties back to what I said a few episodes ago. There was a ship that had looked like it had no thrusters, aside from the back ones. So what if this is a pure momentum-based ship? Well, it's based on speed, on takeoff. Oh, there could be a landing gear, because then we wouldn't we wouldn't see anything on the bottom. Or if there's nothing on the bottom. You could use like a track to launch it. Mm. Good theory. But yeah, most ships have seen like have had like the the vertical thrusters on the bottom and the horizontal ones, as you noted. 
that uh, we don't we only see the horizontal ones here. Unless they're shrouded in the uh, shadows of the there's like dark parts of the ships. Or if they retract. Ooh. That could be possible. Is just thinking back, I, I'm I'm not exactly going back to every concept art and counting, but just going off memory. It seems that ships that are in space, we don't see those vertical thrusters. But if they're in an atmosphere, then we do. Possible, I suppose. So now that we basically know that modular ship construction is in the game, I have to ask you, are you going to go for the weirdest, funkiest, most ship posty ship you can go for? <laughs> or, or are you going to try to build like a cool looking one? Probably a cool one. The, the way I... I like the best looking options and what is my personal taste what i think works the best and that's usually the same class of items but sometimes i like to mix and match like when i play fallout 4 and i have a plasma rifle for some reason the e3 demo when they're customizing weapons in like the little time lapse when they're showing off weapon customization I always make my weapons exactly like that. So I'm sure I'm I'm sure I will be heavily influenced by whatever Bethesda show if they show any customization of ships. If that's you'll even do, a thing. You'll have to cover your eyes at that part at E3. Yeah, I like when I have a pipe pipe pistol, I turn it into the exact same pipe weapon they made at that at the 2015 demo for Fallout 4. I make the same plasma rifle, you know. The only one I don't make is the laser sniper, I, I think. Did, did they make sniper? I think they, they took one that wasn't usually a sniper rifle and made it into one. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the laser rifle sniper like barrel I like the automatic barrel so I think I might be influenced by how things look rather than I don't know I think it's too early if chip customizations even in there which there's implications there might be and I would really love chip customization but definitely I would probably go with what, what is cooler looking to me I guarantee someone out there will make the best statistic chip they can make. The one with the best stats, the best everything. I don't really look forward to the day when the community figures out like what is the best ship to have. And then that's the one that... You have like 50 guides. How to unlock this part of this, this ship. So I think that's everything on this concept. I think so. And uh, bef before we close this show, there's one bonus concept that, that wasn't in this video, but it was in the Welcome to Constellation video. Do you want to uh, say this one, Mitch? 
Sure. Um, it was uploaded on February 16th, and we can only see it in a YouTube thumbnail from Bethesda. And it's a video that's sent to new Constellation members when they join. It's an unlisted YouTube video, so you need a direct link to see it. And it's basically just Todd wearing the Constellation watch saying, thank you for joining Constellation. We're excited to like share this journey with you. But obviously the thing that a lot of people talked about was the thumbnail because it shows a library that is presumably in like Constellation's hub. It's these huge walls of books. People are reading books. There's a hologram in the middle. Um, just seems like a very studious center. And if this is indeed Constellation property, it shows this new side of Constellation. Before we've seen them as going out there and exploring, um, potentially being ready for a fight if necessary. They're very adventurous and hardened. Now we're seeing this different side of, it, of Constellation. It's very intellectual and wise. And that's a, an interesting uh, angle to Constellation that we haven't seen before. It's a very cool call out as well. It's so cool that we made it our Reddit banner. It just fit the law subreddit for Starfield massively. Yeah, I have a feeling that one's gonna gonna stay for a while because it does fit really well. And then I believe it was Oda that first discovered something amazing about this art, which is that if you look closely at the 2018 teaser, you can see that there's a little glass dome with something inside of it. That's pretty clearly this library. At least we've potentially discovered the purpose of the 2018 station, finally. What confuses me is that that station had a, um, a number on it. It seemed like it was one of many. And if it has this huge, intricate library, I think this is that's a unique space station then. I, I doubt there would be more than one. Since there's manufacturers, we know there's manufacturers from the combat tech on the weapon. Maybe Constellation, when they first started, they or they placed an order for a custom ship design. And that's the ship we see in the 2018 teaser. It's a very unique looking space station. So it wouldn't surprise me if Constellation designed it and had a manufacturer make it and they listed it as a model number. Or Constellation ordered a model and then they asked for a custom design of it. Which would probably be more expensive, but we don't know how old the station is, so. JBG on the Starfield Alliance Discord brought to my attention that on February 13th, 2021, so months before we even had last year's E3 trailer, I made a post on Discord saying, uh, I know this isn't what we're looking at, but it kind of looks like a bookshelf in, re in regards to that thing at the center of this star station in the 2018 teaser i was right on the money and i said i know this isn't what we're looking at and it was so i was i was right and wrong at the same time and jbg replied uh, on the same day it always looked like a library to me so 
We were so close yet so far. I just thought that was really funny. You're a prophet now. I am. I guess so. <laughs> but um, that was all of the concept arts, notable quotes, all the new information we've had, and a lot of fun theories. Was there anything else you wanted to say about any of these concept arts or quotes? Uh, no. All right, awesome. So um, we'll move on to our last section of the show then. Uh, we always like to close the show with a recommendation of some sort, anything that scratches the Starfield itch. Israel, what would you recommend this month? Mass Effect 2. I beat it the other week. I'm on Mass Effect 3 now, so I'm probably going to recommend that next month. Um, Mass Effect 2, fantastic. Like, I had to gear up for the final mission and be very specific with it. Or I was going to lose crew members. And I wouldn't have been able to transfer my save. And I really wanted to do that. I would never have played Mass Effect 3, but... For me, this month, Mass Effect 2, I recommend that game. Very good. I still, unfortunately, haven't played the Mass Effect trilogy. But um, hopefully everyone else does. Because uh, that's a good recommendation. Because uh, that's really kind of like the pinnacle you could say of of sci-fi rpgs it's right up there with kotor in terms of just like notoriety and we now have the the legendary edition mm, absolutely my pick for the month is going to be cyberpunk 2077 and i picked it for a very specific reason so we've heard about how you can pick your own story at the beginning of the game you can pick the united colonies you can pick the freestar collective you can even start the game with region industries as like getting hired and doing like the corpo thing. In Cyberpunk 2077, you can do the same thing. You can start with three life paths. You can start um, with corpo working for a giant corporation. You can be a street kid, which I would equate to the United Colonies start just based on what we know so far. Or you can do the Nomad start, which I would equate to the Freestar Collective. Uh, the Nomad comes from like outside Night City. But um, if you like Bethesda Game Studios games, you'll probably dig Cyberpunk 2077. It's a huge open world. Um, it doesn't feel as alive, I would say, as a Bethesda Game Studios game. It's not as much of like a, a simulation as BGS does. But um, it's still a great RPG with plenty of choice and um, some really interesting characters and amazing graphics. So if you haven't played it, it's it's worth it. That's a good pick. Thank you. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to share? Uh, this month, I actually do. Uh, we have a Discord, if people don't know. Um, it's not very active right now. The target is, as we get more deeper lore, we get more lore more frequently. There'll be more to talk about, and soon we're going to be introducing new channels. Going to be formatted a lot better than the channels we have now. And why not join, right? Uh, and uh, also, if you're watching the YouTube version, if you've gotten this far, and you haven't subscribed, it would really, really mean a lot to us if you could subscribe. Um because it helps us grow and we are planning to do
do law videos, not just the podcast, but law content. So that's kind of a teaser for what's coming up. I don't know what that's going to look like, but the goal is to give as high quality law with some gameplay. And I think it's going to be very fun. So yeah, that's uh, that's all my closing thoughts. Unless you've got some ones you want to add. Uh, just that um, as we get closer to the game and stuff, like we we still have a lot of plans for Lorefield. We plan the subreddit is going to be a really good platform for lore discussion. I think Discord is going to roar to life as we introduce those new channels to get more members, and then uh, the YouTube comments, the YouTube content is going to change as well. Not change. It's, there's going to be more of it, and uh, the podcast. Is going to evolve obviously right now we're very news heavy because that's pretty much all <laughs> you know all we're getting we're not getting a ton of lore exactly but um it will become much more of a lore show uh, as we get more information and get closer to release and beyond definitely for that reason i guess it'd be a good time to say that we're kind of thinking of the show as like seasons so from now to e3 it's like season one and then hopefully with season two, ideally like between E3 and release, we'll get a little deeper into the lore stuff. And then season three and beyond will be like really deep lore content and, and kind of narrative stuff. So something to look forward to. Absolutely. All right. This has been the Lorefield podcast, episode nine. You can find us on Reddit at r slash Lorefield. Twitter at LorefieldNet, Twitch at Lorefield Network, and YouTube at just Lorefield. Just search Lorefield and we'll pop right up. Thank you so much for listening. This was a fun and very long show, but there was so much to break down. It was a great time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next month. Thanks, everyone. Bye.